Well, welcome to our podcast, Don't Make Me Use My Teacher Voice. Please. Please. Where we are bringing you hot takes in education because, in general, we are a mess as educators. (laughs) It's not just us. I think it's everybody. It could be everybody. So, um, we're a little new to this, so if this is awkward and odd, um, it's probably not going to get better. That's just who we are as people. Um, (laughs) But the editing should improve, so keep tuned for that. Um, We are going to talk about a couple of things today, but um, we can start off with some uh, maybe common misconceptions about teachers. So Wait, who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I am Sam. (laughs) Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. (laughs) And I teach middle school, currently. The bane of my existence. (laughs) And she is... I am Alex. But nothing rhymes with Alex. So I'm just Alex. Except uh, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so I also teach middle school. <laughs> A good segue. Um, <clears throat> teach middle school. I'm not always taught middle school. I taught third grade for a second. And then I've also taught middle school again. And then I've taught high school. Uh, and this might be my last stint in middle school. We, we might be going back to either third grade or, or high school after this. Yeah. But, um... So Sam and I became friends because we were teachers together, and we taught at an alternative school together, which if you have never been in Alt-N, let me just tell you, it's a bonding experience. You're missing out. You're missing out. There are some really high highs, but also some really low lows. For sure. I think that actually segues really good into common misconceptions, right? Because everyone thinks teachers just go to work every day, and we get to love kids, and kids (laughs) love on us. And it's just like honky-dory, kumbaya all day long. And the kids only have problems with each other and not with us. And so the low lows of the spectacular world of alternative education is a spectacular example of why (laughs) teaching is much more multi-level than people think. Right. Someone even said in a meeting the other day that, um, I was not in this meeting, I just heard through the grapevine, that teacher, teaching now is half teaching and half social work, um, which I can definitely agree, but also, if you can have more than two halves, I think it's also half, um, technology coordinator, and then also half therapist, and then also half, um, mediator, and, oh, Janitorial staff. Janitorial staff, absolutely, and then what are people in boxing rings? What are they people? Referees? Referees, yes. Yeah, yeah, also yeah. Also being a referee. Also, um, recently I've become a fashion consultant. Uh, people really ask me my opinions on uh, their sweatpants. I cannot relate, um, as my fashion tastes are not admired by our students. Oh! Yeah. I am too apparently bad. too far removed from the environment, but they do feel the need to try and dress me, so that's okay. Oh, interesting. I, uh, I think we pretty much dress the same in... They're into what I wear. They like it. It's presentation. It really is. It's because I'm their size. (laughs) You're also a little bit more sunshine and positive, and I'm a little more dark and stormy. Um, um, But on the same token as that, like, it's also easy to to talk about teachers being real people, right? We're not just honky-dory at school. We're not just everybody's, every day is a great day, and we love our kids. Not that we don't love our kids, let's be clear. Um, I do love most of them all the time, and I love all of them most of the time. Um, but like when I go home, I still have a life outside of school. 
I still have a, um, a family and a husband and a kid and dogs and all of that that I come home to and I have hobbies sometimes that I accomplish. Hobbies? What are those? <laughs> I know. I read a book once that happened on occasion. Uh, it doesn't happen anymore unless they're professional development. But, you know, that's a thing, too, somewhere, I'm sure. I will say, so I'm in school right now. I'm working on my EDD, which is so fantastic and so fun, and I learned so much. And uh, I am so inspired every day. But let me tell you, you got to be really committed. This has to be, like, 100% what you're doing. Uh, but I did read a fantastic book the other day. Let me dig it out of my backpack so I can tell you all about it. It's called... Designed for How People Learn by Julie Dirksen, second edition. Amazing. The best professional development book I've ever read, ever in my life. And I I learned so much from it, and that normally does not happen. Normally I'm a skimmer and say, this is very dumb, and I could have told you this 10 years ago when I was 16. I am here to tell you that the best professional development I have received in my six years of teaching has come from TikTok. <laughs> and I'm not I ashamed to. to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think TikTok is a wild experience, and I still have not downloaded it on my phone, but it is on my iPad, so when I'm really ready to commit to um, doing nothing, I pull up the iPad and I am on TikTok. I've really been to Procreate videos, um, and the ones that you sent me about the girl that uh, <laughs> she always tells the kids to get out of her face, and I just really relate because nobody wears a mask at school, and I'm just wondering why. <laughs> Yeah, so some of our later episodes, we're going to address things like COVID, and we're going to address some, you know, more serious or maybe more hot takey, like we promised, um, environments. So we thought we'd ease into it and not make the entire universe mad at us up front. Um, and we thought it might be fun to talk about how um, the media has portrayed teachers throughout, um, you know, TV and movies, film. Um, these people that we attach to, like, as we're watching films growing up or, um, as we watch them now as adults, like, how do we identify that these people are, A, educators, because sometimes they're told that they're teachers, other times we just assume by context, obviously they're in a classroom with children, whatever. Um, but then, you know, you have this opportunity to, um, you know, compare pedagogy and see how realistic that classroom environment actually is in comparison to, like, the environments we've been in and the benefit between Alex and I is that we've taught at some interesting places. We also come from some different backgrounds, so the schools we attended are very different. Um, so we have a pretty broad idea. Now, neither one of us has studied outside the United States, so we can't speak to that. But um, I mean, in general, we can talk to how well these um, students accomplished or these teachers accomplished handling those students in their classroom. So we uh, spoke to the Facebook gods and families and <laughs> asked, because we could have come up with a Google list for sure, or we could have come up with our own list, but that's not nearly as fun as finding out who um, people around us or in our circles recognize as like influential or iconic teacher roles, right? And I have to say, I've not seen this list yet, um, so I'm very excited to hear about it for the first time. Yeah, but because Alex has a life and is doing the whole, like, getting her degree, becoming a better human thing. I wasted my time on Facebook asking all these questions, and I've compiled the list, so we have not discussed our reviews together, um, and she hasn't seen the list. I've only seen the list long enough to take the list from one platform and put it into a list that 
compiled everybody in one place so that we could go down and go through. Now, full disclosure, some of these are um, roles we may or may not know offhand. Um, so we may not have a ton of context or information about them, but we will do our best. I um, was thinking about this while you were talking, Sam. If I would have seen your post on Facebook like a good um, media consumer slash friend that I want to be sometimes, I would have added um, the teacher from Jimmy Neutron because she really just tickled me to no end. I don't even know that I remember there being a teacher in Jimmy Neutron. Oh, oh yeah, she had like the flippy 50s hair and um, she always wore like, I think like a teal dress with polka dots on it and she was always... Was her hair like, red? Uh, I'll get Probably not. But continue. Polka dot uh, dress. She just really hated on Sheen all the time. <laughs> and every once in a while I catch myself just really like hating on the kid in my head and I'm like, don't be the teacher from Jimmy Neutron. So while you um, pull up that image so that we can level it out, the number one teacher and the only teacher I added to this list is one of my favorite iconic teachers, for sure, um, and that's Mr. Feeney. Oh. Mr. Feeney, yes, she okay. looked like a bird. Real quick, she did not have red hair and she did not wear what I said, but her name is Winifred Fowl or Miss Fowl, and she looks like a bird. Her nose is crooked. <laughs> she has like a Batman emblem no. or a Robin mask for glasses. Oh, I do remember her now that I'm seeing the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to the So list. Mr. Feeney is our first one, and... I have to say that having been in a classroom, I'm a little jealous of Mr. Feeney that the only behavior issues he's ever dealt with are tardies and kids throwing paper balls or the one time Corey pulled Topanga's hair. <laughs> what a dream! What a dream. But I like the one image that sticks out to me, the two of them, is when Topanga decides to tell about her form of government where she's wearing the toga and that all men have been put underground, um, which I think is just... So before it's time, but yeah. funny as, as I'll get out. But then the last episode of the very last oh. thing where they're all adults sitting in his classroom before they know he's going to college with them. And he sits there and says, um, class dismissed. And, and they all look at him and say, Mr. Feeney, you're not done teaching us yet. We're not done learning from you. And he says, I've taught you all I can. You know, you need to go out and live your lives, and do great things, and they, like, sit there for a minute, and then he leaves, and, oh! Okay, I'm crying a little bit, because I love that scene so much. I, I wish, and I wish, um, I have, le I spent six years at one school, and I grew very close to my population there, so I feel like, Feeney, I kind of, like, aged up with them a lot, and, um, I did there, that about that school. There were some tears, there were some tears for sure when I left, um, that facility and those kids that I watched grow, like, there was some tears shed when I found out I was leaving, and I wish I had something iconic to tell them that they would eternally remember, but I didn't, and I left during COVID quarantine, so I got to send them a goodbye video where I waved. Yeah. That's how I kind of From my garage. With my seniors last year, I taught a lot of them as... Um, sophomores and then as juniors for um, regular psych and then as seniors at AP psych and then there was this last moment where we were reviewing for the AP test and I said okay guys this is it oh I'm getting a little choked up right now and I was like okay guys this is it and they're like Miss Ryan I love you and I was like oh don't tell me that we're done don't look at me don't talk to me I have to hang up now because I just I loved them so much at that point 
and that's not to say I did not want to punch them in the throat <laughs> often. Or they would come in and I'd be like, uh, come back, go outside and try again. Yeah, come back. Or or they would like bring McDonald's in the class and I'd be like, well, why don't you smell like weed and, and McDonald's and I'd like eat what it smells. <laughs> so come back tomorrow. But I was so attached to those kids and I just loved them so much. And I had my Mr. Feeney moment and I just, I wish I could follow them all wherever. Yeah. Alright, our number two is debatably a teacher, but he's a teacher to all instead of a teacher in a classroom. Oh. Bill Nye. Oh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, 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 Bill. Science guy. Uh, that segue brought to you by our awesome singing talents. Um, so teacher, yay or nay, good pedagogy? Mm, uh, he's a scientist. He's a science guy. I don't really think... He's quite a teacher. So he's a mentor figure. So I think I think I agree. Like he teaches us things, but he's not particularly a teacher. Like he's not balancing thirty-five kids in front of him that are ready to punch each other in the throat. Right. He's talking through a TV screen, so it kind of gives him a little bit of like a like a edge. Yeah. I Bill Nye, if you ever hear this, I respect you greatly, and you taught me. All fifth grade science. Uh, all science until I got into, like, high school, honestly. Yes. So, shout out to you, but I don't think you're an actual teacher, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but I like you, and I love you, and I think you're And I'm glad they brought your show back. Me too. I watched it. Um, so, number three is another one of my favorites, and I'm glad that somebody else put it on the list because I wasn't going to let myself make the whole list, is Mr. Keating from Dead Poets Society. With Robin Williams. And personally, I like I can tell you guys now, the back of my uh, MacBook has um, Oh Captain, My Captain on it. My water bottle I carry around everywhere has a quote from John Keating on it. I He's the teacher I aspired to be, and then I ended up being a lot like Gunny Sargent from Full Metal Jacket. But, like, that's oh, for another day. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mr. Keating, good in the classroom, bad in the classroom. I think if... An administrator walked in, and I know this has happened to me, and I was standing on a desk. They were not happy, <laughs> and I don't think that he would make the cut in modern classrooms, but does that make him any less of a teacher? Absolutely not, because he was phenomenal and changes kids' lives. I'm just saying maybe we um, have the wrong standards for teaching these days. I don't disagree with that statement, but I also love, and here's my favorite part of it, here's the little bit of my buck the system. Um, I love that he walked in and he was like, see the introduction to this? Rip it out of your books. And they all looked at him. And I have been the person um, prior to now that is not afraid of talking about undiscussable topics. Yeah. Um, I'm frequently um, warned by my spouse that I'm going to get fired for not keeping off-limit topics off-limits. Um, it has to be said! Admin, if you hear me, I promise I'm doing it within the boundaries of your legal limitations. Um... <laughs> but I think it's important. Kids have to be able to, ha to have discourse, and they need to know these topics. So I love how passionate he was about literature. It's how, I, you know, Alex and I feel about history and what we do every day. Um, so I think there's a lot of inspiring. I think he's a great teacher. I think if we were, like, rating this on a scale of, like, one to five apples, I think he's a solid, like, four apple teacher. I'd give him six. Six apples. Six out of five apples. Okay. Six out of five. I don't teach math. <laughs> no, we have friends for that. Number four, another 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 childhood favorite, Miss Honey. 
from uh, Matilda. So, John Keating was yours, Miss Honey was mine. I wanted to be Miss Honey so bad, and every time I am a real, not sweet girl, I'm like, ugh, Miss Honey, I can be Miss Honey. I want to be Miss Honey. I love these kids. I love them, I love them, I love them, I love them. And then, I sometimes I'm a little misfrontable, and I don't mean to be. <laughs> but goodness gracious, do I love Miss Honey. My boyfriend actually has told me before that I remind him of Miss Honey, and I was like, Wow. I love you. <laughs> I can see it. I mean, except for the whole, like, adopting one of your students thing, right? Oh, I totally do it in a heartbeat. Um, I tr- I've tried to adopt the kids from our last school, and yeah. I tried to get my parents into it, and they were 100%, going to. 100%. I actually came home once. I only came home once um, for and told my husband, I said, all right, well, we need to adopt a kid. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, He's like, do we want to, like, look into adoption? I was like, no, no, like, we just need to ad- I found her. Um, we're going to bring her home. Um, she's 15. It's fine. Um, and I'm like, she's 15. It's fine. Um, and they were like, um, we're not going to bring home a 15 year old. Babe. Also you work there. So like that's a conflict of interest, but like, I totally get the environment, but I just need to take you home and take care of you because I need you to be loved. Yes. All right. So uh, shout out to Miss Honey. Miss Honey's everywhere. You're, you're doing the, doing the best. Apple score. Uh, five for sure. Five, five out of five. Uh, with, uh, with honey drizzled on it. It's, Cut into slices. So this one's an icon as far as teachers go. I'm pretty sure every teacher known to man got into teaching because they read the book or saw the movie Miss Erin Gruel from Actually, Freedom Writers. Oh, that never was a big one for me. Hmm. I know. I know. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. I feel like a lot of people think that they can go in and do what she did, though. Yeah. Um. And, and I think there's a lot of aspirations behind how hard she worked to provide equity for those kids that nobody believed in, and I love that for her. Um, it's not sustainable. It's not, it's, I mean, as much as you want to hate the, the department head there and the principal there, she, they're right. You know, her system was not sustainable. Her system was not something that could be replicated class to class. It wasn't something that she could practice beyond those four walls with that set of kids. Mm-hmm. And honestly... You know, her marriage suffered for it. Her personal life suffered for it. Where does that line get drawn? As teachers, are we expected to give everything up outside of class to make sure that our kids have the best moving forward? And and that's a that's a question in and of itself. That really gets into it when you have your own kids. Like, I don't have kids, but but you do. And <clears throat> I have a dog and, like, a personal life and an education beyond school. And I love my students so much, but I, I'm my own person. Yeah, so as far as, like, sustainability, also, like, the whole um, discussing gang violence in class is an interesting aspect of her life. But, like, I think it's a solid, I think we're solid three. Yeah. Solid three. Best of intentions, not necessarily, like... Not reproducible, not sustainable. Yes. If she was a real person, I would have... She was a real person. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, good for her. (laughs) I want to take her so kindly by the hand and say, don't go to school today. (laughs) Stay home. Take a break. Take a break. Um, yes, go upstate. That's um, right. We're also big Hamilton fans, so expect that to come up at some point. So number six is to a movie that I saw with my dad when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm struggling really hard here to remember 100% who this individual was and what it looked like. Hit me um, with your best shot. The actor was Sidney Poitier in To Sir With Love. Oh, I've never seen that. Um... And all I vaguely remember is he was a very um, dapper man, um, and he had a good, a good, uh, good realm um, 
of of, of control in his classroom and, and like really enjoyed teaching. The loving. interwebs say it's a Brit flick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. British movie. Um, some of, we, you know, just to show you that our, our pool is not just millennials and, and little kids answering this question. You know, we have people from all over. Um, so this next one, I did not watch growing up, um, out of spite. Okay. Um, I did chorus and musical theater and I did not like the glorification. So I have zero input in this, but I'm sure you do. And that is Will Schuster. Yes. From Glee. Oh my gosh, let me just tell you, my dad, who is a manly man, loved, loved Glee. And we would watch it together as a family, which is weird because I'm much older than my brother. But he loved it. It was a great family experience. And then it all went downhill very quickly. And then, you know, no more. Will Schuster changes lives. He empowers people. He changes lives. Did he actually teach a real class? Uh, maybe like Spanish or something. <laughs> Did he date a lot of his co-workers? Yeah, and I don't recommend that from my own experiences. But Will Schuster, wow. Also, a man that can sing and dance. And teach. And teach. And, sorry, Miss Gretchen. And has, and has curly hair. Oh, God. And he wears those little blazers. He's darling. He's precious. I love Will Schuster. He taught those kids. He was out there solving their real life problems. Quinn got pregnant. Listen, I've had students that have told me that they were pregnant, and I was like, oh, I, ah, uh, mm, and then Will Schuster, he just, he accepted her with so much grace and love and just like the whole thing, and they sing about their feelings, and ugh, I want to sing about my feelings. Not on this podcast. <laughs> It's early. And maybe maybe later. <laughs> maybe we've talked about Hamilton. <laughs> so number eight is a beloved character across the board, Miss Frizzle. Ah, Miss Frizzle is on my computer. I I love Miss Frizzle. Miss Frizzle is actually one of the reasons I became a teacher. Was how like I was like I need a career because I am floundering in my life because I don't know what I'm going to do with a master's degree that I chased. Um, in order to do something overseas and then decided that that was not conducive to having a family at some point in my life. So I gave up on that and I was like, well, here we are. So education is where I found my footing, thanks to Miss Frizzle and the Magic School Bus. I love her. I love her. Mod Cloth last year, not sponsored, just like Mod Cloth, uh, they had the best Miss Frizzle dress and I wanted to be her so badly. Like, I played my whole Halloween about, around being Miss Frizzle and then they sold out. Oh, no. Rude. So rude. Oh, I also no. wasn't going to pay full price. So I was trying to wait for it to go on sale because I'm a teacher. Uh, but, gosh, it was so cute. Miss Frizzle. Miss Frizzle. She's the stuff. Another not sustainable lifestyle. No. 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 But I would love to take kids, you know, back in time on a magic school bus through where they can nose. see the Civil War through my nose. It would be spectacular. Yes. Um, these next two are also going to get her amped, y'all. I'm just telling you oh, now. Let's go. Um, I don't have quite the in-depth knowledge and love and appreciation for these two characters. The hype, Sam, the hype. Tell me who That I will give you um, both at the same time, and you can apple rate them yourself. I have reference points, and I and I have I have thoughts, but um, I also have a favorite out of the two. I'm so So here excited. they are, Professor McGonagall mm. and Snape. All right, listen. Here <laughs> we go. Harry Potter is a passion of mine. <laughs> um, Professor McGonagall, wow. 
I love her so much. One, not only is she a teacher, but she can shapeshift. She is also a cat. And so she is just creeping around being like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, just kidding. Here I am to teach you something today. And then she has such a heart for her students. She's also just like the cutest human that's ever existed. I would love to be Professor McGonagall. Um, also, I have such beef with Dumbledore. And my boyfriend has tweeted this before about how Dumbledore um, did not have a great track record. And like every single year, the school was threatened severely by things, things that could really hurt these children. So he probably needs to get kicked out. And I am all for J.K. Rowling. If you're hearing me, girl, you probably aren't. But I just want you to know, I wanted Professor McGonagall to be the new headmaster. Headmistress? Mistress. Mi Ooh, that sounds scandalous. <laughs> um, I want her to be large and in charge at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry because you know what? She deserves it. She's putting in the time. She's building the relationships with the kids. She knows what she's talking about. And she's just a good teacher. She's a good human. She's a good human. Not human. Good wizard. Good witch. There you go. Isn't it a witch? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can, can we not? Well, doesn't Hermione a wizard, though? Like, or she's yeah. a muggle, but, like, aren't they all there to be I wizards? I think they're all wizards. I think they're all wizards. Interesting. And Snape? Uh, Snape's actually not one of my favorites. I bet Snape is your favorite, So he though. actually is my vote for favorite, <clears throat> and only because he's willing, and here's why, because he's willing to put his beef aside, his outside life aside, to aid a student that deeply cuts into, like, rubbing salt in the open wounds of his of unrequited his love. Okay? His unrequited love. And he, you know, helps Harry. He, they're not in the same house. His house is, like, pitted against, you know, Gryffindor, and this kid is just a hot mess, getting into everything, stirring up, all of those things that you, uh, so eloquently pointed out that McGonagall was like, hey, these are problems, and Snape's like, well, it's all Harry's fault. But he also steps in and is like, again, I must solve the problem. I know. And poor guy, he really does just, like, make it happen. But, like, you are Snape. Yeah. I'm way more McGonagall. We are. We would be the Snape and McGonagall. Uh, Snape would have to be gender-bent, but it would be fine. It would be fine. Alan Rickman, though, he's... Dead. Can I say a bad word? Yeah. He's such a badass. I love him. Yeah, I don't know that we get, like, booted for certain words, so. Again, intro to podcasting. We're not sure how we can say things or where we can say them, so we're just going to go with it. Um, and if no one lets us talk out loud, we'll edit it back and try again. <laughs> we'll just keep talking to ourselves like we've been doing for a while. Yep, fair story. So the next two are, again, from older-ish movies. Um, again, I'm not entirely positive I've seen either one, but I'm throwing them out there. And if anybody actually ends up listening to this and you decide that you have a comment or a theory about any of these, please feel free to email us and I'll give you that at the end of the episode. Um, and tell us your opinions about these people and when we film the, or film, record, duh, um, record the next episode, we will bring up those opinions because I would love to, you know, have a conversation about these teachers, um, and if they're really great, then I will sit down and watch the movie. Um, but as a mom of a toddler, I can tell you that it takes me three or four days to watch a movie um, of feature length that isn't Toy Story, because that is where I live right I, now. I don't have children, but I would like you all to know that it also takes me three or four days because I fall asleep in four minutes because I'm tired. <laughs> 
Um, so number 11 is Jamie Escalante from Stand and Deliver. And I've heard such amazing things about that film. Um, and it is based on a true story. But that's about what I've got. I actually know nothing about Stand and Deliver. I know he taught math. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to say. I'm going to watch it. I would like to come back to this. Let's put a pin in it. Pinning that one. Um, and then Joe Clark from Lean On Me. <laughs> Lean On Me is so good. I don't remember if I've actually seen it. Anytime we start talking about Lean On Me, my brain automatically like resets to my girl, and I'm not sure where that synapse fire has attached. I think they came out during the, about the same time period. Uh, or not. Um, but that's just where my brain goes. It, it doesn't, so I'm going to, I'm going to vote that I probably have not seen this film, although I probably should have, honestly. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty good. I, it's a very similar situation as a school that we are very familiar with. Mmm, love mm, it. Yes. Uh, and probably so many of you that are listening and just trying to find anyone that relates to you are familiar with, but, uh, it's about a principal his school is at risk of being taken over by the government unless everyone gets their act together and can pass these tests, um, which we know is really, really hard, not only for kids that are on grade level, but for kids who don't have those early childhood experiences um, like so many kids in inner city schools do. It's, it's good. It's So Clark, principal, educator, positive? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not gonna die on this hill. I think he's good. Meh. Meh. He's we'll good. give him. Well, he's on the gruel like three apple kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad guy. He's he's no Will Schuster. Let me no tell you. Will Schuster. Uh, okay, so our next one is Mr. Griffith from Easy A, and I was trying <laughs> so hard to remember Mr. Griffith from Easy A. Oh my gosh. Um, I remember the film. I do love a good spinoff of the Scarlet Letter. Do not get me wrong. I love the creativity that has come out in Hollywood for a period of time where they started taking, like, like, Taming of the Shrew and turning it into Ten Things I Hate About You and, like, turning the Scarlet Letter into Easy A. Love that, okay? Um, I love that they tried to make him, like, the little hunky man. He is a little hunky man. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember anything about him being physically in a classroom with students. Like, I know he existed in a school realm, but I don't remember him actually, like, pedagogically being in a room. I remember, um, that there is, like, a secret that Olive keeps from the wife, maybe. It's been a while since I've seen Oh, it. yeah! Yeah, Isn't yeah, she yeah. end up, like, pregnant or something, and she has an affair, and it's not his, or something like that? I don't want to misspeak, but I kind of think so. Um... I think so. I, I do remember that the wife works there as well. I'm going to have to rewatch it. That's like one that I watched in the background and probably have not seen since I started teaching, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I love um, Emma Stone. Yep. I used to reference this when we talked about lying in AP Psych and like promiscuality and, you know, all the things you can talk about in AP Psych. It's definitely one of those good movies to bring up that kids have seen that you can talk about all sorts of things in psych because um, really you can get away with talking about anything in psych because everything is relevant. It was good. I'm not saying he's changing anyone's lives. He gets a one. He gets one apple that's probably sitting on his desk and has been for however long. Alright. Um, so the next two or next three, okay, 
um, were debatably in um, educational roles, but were also in, like, athletic roles. So I'm just going to roll them out all at once. Tell me it's the girl, the Cise Puele. Gotta kick it Cise up. Cise Puele? No, that didn't even come up. But <gasps> Cise Puele, Cise Puele, Cise Puele. Yeah. Love that. That did not come up, and it should have. That's not crazy. enough Disney Channel references in this, by the way, um, and that hurt my heart a little bit. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, like, some iconic Disney teachers. Um, but that's fine. Keanu Reeves in Hardball. Kevin Costner in The Rookie, who actually was a science teacher. Oh. Um, and then Coach Carter. Did you ever see Coach Carter? Uh-uh. That might be a little bit before you. It was Samuel L. Jackson. Don't quote me on that. But he... I'll make the argument for Carter because he really aimed to teach them valuable life lessons as well as he wasn't just a basketball coach. Um, and I think the way that the movie was set up is he did work for the school and he did have some sort of educational attachment to the school other than coaching. But sure. That. Kevin Costner is only pictured inside that long enough to make the, the deal with his baseball students who were also in his chemistry class that if he auditioned, that, that he would audition, mm, uh, try out for the major leagues again if they all made it to state or something, which really relies heavily on coaches. Not to denote that coaches are not educators, because that is not the case. I have lots of friends that are athletic coaches, but are also teachers in the classroom, and they are, but unfortunately, I don't think that Hollywood has, like, gotten on board with that fact yet, Yeah. and they're very much so... Coaching is a full-time job? (laughs) Yeah, like, coaches just exist in this sector, like, they don't... They don't have a real job that uh, provides income. (laughs) Right, yeah, they just apparently live off that $5,000 stipend or whatever it is. Five? Generous. I'm thinking football. No. (laughs) I'm not talking about any other sport, because apparently no one else does. So this one, Miss Bliss from Saved by the Bell. And I was trying to remember who this was. And I think Miss Bliss was when Saved by the Bell was early on. I think she was their middle school teacher. Don't hold me to that. But if it's the same woman I'm thinking of, okay, um, I would argue that she's actually a really great educator. She, even though that, you know, the writing was, you know, pre-done for her, the content was covered pretty well. Yeah. Good morning, Miss Bliss was when they were in middle school. Saved by the Bell. So she is attached to the Saved by the Bell gang, but it was the early on when Belling was still teaching, I think. This sounds really cute. It was not my favorite, honestly, oh. growing up, watching Saved by the Bell in the morning. But she had the Farrah Fawcett hair, which I adored. She wore lots of the very 80s shoulder paddy wrap dresses. Um, and she was so, a lot like the way your style, like she's very, like, tough love with a really sweet smile mm-hmm. and a great delivery. And I... When you think about Miss Honey, I think about people like this, not necessarily this direct reference, but I'm like, there is such a better way for me to express how I want to say what I want to say right now, and it is eluding me, and I just need to channel those kinds of people. But she really did have a lot of genuine care for her kids, had a lot of um, love and um, uh, appreciation for them. She knew their stories in and out. She identified strengths in their kids, and she tried to put them... Um, you know, in situations where they would be successful. Yes. And, and she definitely um, negated the whole bullying of, you know, Screech and things like that. So it was it was a really solid. I give her, like, she's not, again, not changing the world for sure. But, uh, you know, solid. Solid too. I'm going to watch that. <clears throat> I'm going to watch it. So this one I'm going to say, um, these two I'm going to say together. I'm going to lump them. I've seen the films. I don't think I acknowledge that they are teachers in these films. Stephen Miles in Inception and Luann Johnson in Dangerous Minds. 
Hmm. Um, never. Inception was not my fave. I've never seen another one. Um, so, Dangerous Minds was a good film. Uh, not one I would tell you to run out and see for sure, but like. Sounds like I have a list of other movies to watch first. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was all right. It wasn't bad. So how about for our chemistry fans out there, Mr. Walter White from Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. Mr. I'm going to go out and make some meth. Let's do it. Why not? Sounds like a great plan, everybody. So, like, to be fair, all right, I haven't actually seen the show in, in, its, in, in its expanse, but... I've caught one or two episodes. I'm Very not long. mad. I get, okay? I can empathize and understand the need to start producing <laughs> something on the side to supplement my teacher income. And I think that that's very true to life, all right? Um, and I think a lot of people are feeling that at this present moment. Absolutely. Maybe not meth, but... Right. Like, maybe you, like, have a side hustle. Maybe you, you have an Etsy shop. Or you sell Mary Kay. Or, <laughs> like, you make cute little stickers. Or whatever. Um, so, like, maybe not meth. But, like, as a chemistry teacher, I mean... At least you know how to do it safely, I guess. Are you going to be a pharmacist? Um, true story. And aren't you kind of teetering on pharmacy at that point? Okay. I mean, <laughs> methamphetamine and Adderall are really only like half a molecule different. So we're, we're splitting hairs there at that point. One of my favorites that, that someone was like, you need to put them on this list, even though technically they don't have a classroom. Again, we're like in the Bill Nye vibes. And that is... Mr. Miyagi, and Yoda. And people were really, like, these two names just kept popping up over and over again, and I was like, but they're not teachers. Uh, in the traditional sense. Okay, okay, okay. They're not in a classroom. They're not in front of a room full of kids and saying, this is how we're going to learn this today, and this is our, our objective, and this is how we're going to uh, do this. I would like to argue, didn't Yoda have a class of kids in one of the movies? Of little Padawans? Uh, I mean, you could argue that any Padawan is a student or an apprentice at that level. I want to say you might be right. It's been a while. I feel like he's had, like, a real class. I feel like Yoda, maybe it wasn't a very gross jail-like classroom that most of us spend our days in, but I, I really feel like he had a class in one of the movies. I'm going to look right now. Why do you look? Mona Lisa Smile. Catherine Watson. Julia Roberts. And Mona Lisa Smile. She taught set in like the 50s and she taught art history mm -hmm. in a women's college and she yes, yes. was fervently angered by women who were going to get their MRS degree instead of actually believing in themselves to get a real degree. Ugh. And I love that. I relate so much. That love that. grinds my gears to no end. 100% would side with her over Aaron Gruel any day. It was sustainable. She took them to museums. She challenged their way of thinking and their way of life and made them more critical, more independent. And I think that's what great educators do. So I think she definitely broke the mold to some degree. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I, I've only seen parts of this movie when I was a wee lass. A wee lass. AKA like fourth grade. But I do remember thinking that I loved her and like I wanted to spend time with her. I that's how I feel about Julia Roberts anytime I watch Julia yes. Roberts to be fair. It might just be because it's Julia Roberts. So so part of it, full disclosure, part of my obsession with that character is I always aspire to have a smile like Julia Roberts. I know that people are like, it's so teethy and like she has so many teeth and they're big and she has horse teeth. I don't care. That woman has a megawatt smile, y'all, and I want it. I wanted her, her, like, her teeth in my face. 
Now, granted, I would not have matched. And also, I'm unhygienic. But, like, it's fine. But I loved, I love, love, love that I would give her more than three apples. Maybe I would, four. I would, too. Let's hear a five. Why not? Give her five. Okay. I feel like we're on a, what is that show? Um, where the points are made up, or the games are made up, and the points don't matter. Uh, oh, whose line is it anyway? Drew <laughs> Carey. The show where the, where the, where the games are made up, and the points don't matter. That's what this is happening. One here. point for us. Um, Dewey Finn from School of Rock. Jack Black. School of Rock. Oh, yes. 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 Was he actually a music teacher, though? No, he was, like, a rando that was in No, a no, band. like, what class was he actually teaching? Oh, yeah, music. Was it music? Yeah. Or for band. What, for whatever reason, my brain says that he was supposed to be teaching something other than band or other than music, and then he just ended up teaching <clears throat> music. But, like, either way, love his enthusiasm, love the way he embraced these kids and brought them out of their shells and let them find something cool. And Miranda Cosgrove was in it. Yeah, Miranda Cosgrove, before I Carly. And she was the prissy girl. She was. Oh, he um, was kicked out of his band, and then he was a substitute teacher. Yes. And this is during the era of Tenacious D anyway, and so yes. Jack Black was just in on fire at that point in life. I have a very vivid memory of watching that. My grandma and I went to Blockbuster because I um, went homesick from school and I watched this. <laughs> I also just realized that one of these is a repeat, so I'm going to delete. I have one to fill in. Yeah. Who is your one to fill in? Lainey from school. She is from... So while she's finding that, interesting fact, my baby cousin is actually on the show. Schooled. Um, and now I'm going to publicly admit that I have not actually seen it. So I'm a horrible cousin. Um, thank you all for listening to my TED Talk about that. Who's your cousin? Um, Alex Jennings is my cousin. And who are they? Um, she was on the Goldbergs forever as the mean girl's friend. Um, tall, redheaded, Auburn with freckles. Oh my gosh! Um, and then when they took the spinoff, she made it to the spinoff. Wow. She's just out there living her L.A. dreams, and I love it for her. I love that. Well, um, so Lainey Lewis, uh, the older brother in the Goldbergs' uh, crush, and then, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but... He returns, but she like got a degree in like music or something, and she's gonna be in a band or be like a record producer. And then she did not, so she became a teacher, and she loves it. And she is like that cool teacher. She has no behavior problems. <laughs> Must be nice <laughs> um, because it's a '90s sitcom, uh, and she is just like so fun. And she's always such an advocate for her students, and I love it. And she always. She's that teacher that you had the bad day and you are crying and you just go to their door and she's like, all right, here we are. We're going to, we probably won't sing about it like Mr. Schuster, but like, we're going to talk about it and I'm, I'm going to make sure that you know that I'm on your side. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and now that I've said that out loud, I feel like a terrible person. So I'm going to make an effort to actually watch school because I think her character has a bigger arc on school than it did in the Goldbergs. Are you talking about your cousin? Yeah. I did watch her stint on Criminal Minds, though. She did do five episodes of Criminal Minds, so I watched that. So I am supportive. Um, I will tell everybody else to go watch it, but I am admittedly bad about watching it myself. So, <laughs> so there's that. So there is that. Our next one is, and though I've never seen the film, I know who this person was supposed to portray. Annie Sullivan in The Miracle World. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, I spent, I did a huge, huge, huge project in my last semester of school uh, about Annie Sullivan and project-based learning. <laughs> that was like 
it was like one of those things where you like pick out two separate things out of the hat and like you just had to make it go together. And that those were mine. And Annie Sullivan is incredible. She is so moving. She literally was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be a teacher. And then she became one of the most well-revered teachers that have ever existed. And she, I'm not saying she was a miracle worker, but like that's what her movie is called. So I'm not going to be the one that says she's not a miracle worker. Can't say no, no. But like the fact that, I mean, she really, like if we're going to wager on changing people's lives, like I can't think of anyone that did it better. Right. Absolutely. Like you did the impossible. She did what people told her she couldn't do. Yeah. And uh, that's spectacular. So if you haven't seen The Miracle Worker, definitely worth it. Go see it. Um, check it out. Also, her book is incredible. And it, I don't remember it being very expensive on Amazon because I'm very cheap and don't buy expensive things. That's actually not true. But it was <laughs> one of the things I was like, oh, it's a Kindle free. I'm going to do it. Her book is so, so, so incredibly good. And I highly recommend it. And there's just so many details that you don't expect. Um, like, she had a disability herself. Um, I, her mom died, and her dad was unable to care for her and her brother. They got sent to a poorhouse. Um, she learned about life through the women at the poorhouse. And just, like, she took all of these things that really could have crushed her and became this incredible, inspirational person. I love that. So I, um, seven apples, several, seven apples, for 10 apples, 10, 10 apples. So today, um, in one of my classes, we were talking about Supreme court cases that changed the world. And, and one of my students asked me and said, you know, if you were alive during the time of segregation, like how would you have felt? Like if you were a teacher during that period of time, like how do you think you would have done? And I didn't 100% know how to answer that politically. And I just told them, I said, you know, I quoted a TikTok that said, I appreciate the time period that I am born in because had I had been born in another time period, I would have been hung, shot, beaten, or burned at the stake for opening my mouth. I have no filter, and sometimes I really struggle with not, my parents call it righteous indignance, um, <laughs> inserting myself in somewhere that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with me, but someone else is being wronged in the process, and I can't just sit silently. So our next candidate here is Barbara Henry from Ruby Bridges. Oh. The teacher who agrees to teach little Ruby. So Ruby Bridges, my first exposure to her was when I was in kindergarten, and Ruby Bridges was my favorite book and movie at the time. And I remember so vividly my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Jordan, who is she she deserves to be on this list because she was an incredible teacher she had just like such a heart and i could see her being ruby bridges teacher and just like welcoming this little girl in because it really does not matter because it doesn't matter what you look like or where you came from or what you had for breakfast or whatever that you were like here to learn and we are all here to learn yeah love. i love it and ruby was she was there to learn and all she wanted to do is get her education and, yeah and what a horrible position to be put in for that poor little girl, like, looking back in historically. But what a big move for that teacher to say, this is what I'm going to do. And, and like, I don't know because I've never been in that experience, but I can just imagine, like, how powerful that was to Ruby and her family. Absolutely. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, we are not expecting lots of apples here, but also came up a few times, Cameron Diaz in Bad Teacher. I've never seen it. That came out, I think, right when I became a teacher. So I actually have seen this film. I was going to avoid it because I hate kitschy films like this. No, you um, don't. No, no, no. I do hate kitschy films like this where, like, it's supposed to be, like, spoofy and satirical but not in an intelligent way, like okay. a flat satire. Okay. Not that I don't love Cameron Diaz because I do. 
But she is, you know the jokes about, oh, you know, teacher had a hard day when they roll out that media cart. Like, she rolls into class hungover and drunk from the night before and has a movie on. And she, you know, swears at her kids and she doesn't care about their feelings. And she, honestly, I feel like she embodies the teacher that all of us feel like some days. Like, we all have those inner monologues that are like, I hate today, I hate everything, I don't feel well, I'm hungover, I... You know, we had a wedding on Sunday night. Now I got to go to school on Monday morning. And so I think she was a fun embodiment of what we all wish we could do in a classroom and not get fired. But as far as like realism goes, I don't 100% know that she like hits the nail on the head there. But it is a fun entry. It is a fun entry. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I remember being so excited when we saw the TV car come in. And I went to a private school, um, not to say that my parents had any sort of money at all, because I'm pretty sure this was a very um, not fancy, fancy private school. But my teachers were so good and so fantastic, and I remember this TV cart was so old, and it could be used 25 times, but it would still be dusty <laughs> when you got there. 100%. They all were. I don't know what it was about AV carts, but they were always atrociously filthy. Yes, like 100%. so gross. Okay, I'm going to skip around on these last little bits because I think it could be fun. Starting from the bottom, Miss Norbury from Mean Girls. I'm a pusher, Katie. I'm, I'm a, a pusher. pusher. <laughs> I think she really deserves a, a higher part at the top because I love her. And I love that she <laughs> she is, like, uh, working at the soap plate. Or she, that, no, TJF Fridays. Beefo Brady's. Yes. Beefo Brady's. You go, girl. I feel no, like I just like to wear all this flair on my vest while I walk around the mall, Katie. Yeah, I love it. I love that she, again, tried to encourage a student's strengths. and I love that to... Katie's punishment was to join the math league. Yes! <laughs> that is the kind of punishment I am here for. Same. ISS does not always work. Suspending your kids doesn't always work. Embarrassing them by putting them on an academic team works every time, people. I'm telling you. Listen, I used to be the academic coach, and my kids were hyped about the academic team all the time. All the time. I love that. So from one of my favorite, like, everyone's talking about comfort shows now. You know, those shows you, like, watch over and over again because you know what they're going on. Um, one of my faves and my kids' faves, Gilmore Girls, Max Medina. Rowan is 18 months old. <laughs> he loves the theme song, y'all. Y'all, she's coming for me because my kid is going to be two in April. But he loves the theme song to Gilmore Girls. And so I would put it on because it's one of my comfort shows. I'll turn it on and he'll stop what he's doing as soon as the... Where you lead comes on and he like sits there and watches the whole scene and then when it's done and it, the show starts he walks away, but he watches the intro every time. Um, but Max Medina was her English teacher and so again putting things uh, aside about dating a kid's parent while they're still your student, which is super unethical. I don't think that's a good idea. Don't do that. Um, ten out of ten, not the best idea. <laughs> I do love that like. He held them to a really high standard, and I get it. Like, the whole Chilton vibe was that they were this private, elitist school, and everybody had to have this and that, whatever. But I really love that even when Rory missed her test, right, when Medina is first introduced, like, he advocates for a way for her to make up that test to some degree. Yeah. Understanding the circumstances at B. That she was a good student. She was a good kid. She worked so hard to get caught up because it was her first week at Chilton. She was three weeks behind. And then she got hit by the deer. Not hit a deer, but she was hit by a deer. <laughs> That's right. Um, and missed her test. She was five minutes late, and they wouldn't let her take it. So, I, I love it. I think he's a great one. Yeah. Alaric Saltzman from Vampire Diaries and from oh, Legacies. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. He wasn't necessarily like a. I guess he was a teacher originally in the in the first series. I'm full disclosure again. Not a huge fan of Vampire Diaries. Love the originals. A student told me that you liked Vampire Diaries. When the students I tutor. <laughs> yes. I actually passionately dislike Vampire Diaries, but I love the originals, so I will always participate in debates with my students about which one is better and why. Um, but I did because I was really hoping to get a little bit more Klaus Michelson. Start watching Legacies afterwards, where Alaric is a headmaster of the school, the Salvatore school for the gifted, gifted yeah. um, students. And so I forgot, but I guess, before, you know, while... Um, Teacher by day, educator by day, but, um... Vampire by night? Vampire hunter by night. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, vampire hunter by night. That's like, what very, I do. very buffy, the vampire slayer on the back end there. That's how I pay my rent. Yeah, Sorry, you know, Mom. it's a very lucrative environment at vampire hunting. Uh, like, here's something I do appreciate about him in Legacies as a headmaster. You know, taking this, the supernatural part aside, you know, he really does identify the strengths of each... Kid, again, which is a key in education. Mm -hmm. um, he also, you know, protects them from parts of the world that may not be the best. And as educators, sometimes we have to sugarcoat or explain horrific things that are going on in the world in a way that our kids will be able to process and understand. And um, you know, I, you know, Alex and I both have been educators during you know the Pulse nightclub shooting and the Parkland shooting and um, the Las Vegas massacre and those are situations that we have to explain to kids in ways that aren't making them afraid to leave their homes and aren't making them afraid to attend school as a safe space. I also think it's important to add that just the things that happen in their everyday lives. Absolutely. Um, a lot of our students so unfortunately are in those areas where there are scary things going on and we have to be there and be cognizant of that and let them know that we are there and when they come to see us like this is a good safe place to be yeah and they're they're safe to take risks here they're safe to make mistakes and there's not going to be a, a massive amount of judgment so i that's something i really appreciate him um for and his character for and it's written that way i get it but like i still like he sells it for sure um part of it is because his kids are in the school but i think the other part of it is that he has a genuine love for his students and his safety first for the students yes we're down to our last three. Let's hear it. Kevin Spacey from Pay It Forward. And Pay It Forward might have been a little before your time. Yeah, There's a small so. age gap here, guys. Not a, not a big one, but but enough where I was watching PG-13 films significantly earlier than she was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Kevin Spacey, Pay It Forward, by the way, if you haven't and you need a good cry, oh. and you need to like renew your faith in the universe, watch Pay It Forward. It is so good. It's got Kevin Spacey and the chick from Twister. Helen Hunt. Sorry, her name was like not occurring to me. She's not the chick from, but Helen Hunt. And <laughs> the then, nice lady from Twister. And then the kid from Sixth Sense, uh, Haley Joe Osmond. Oh, okay. Maybe. And if I'm quoting this wrong, y'all, I'm not looking it up. This is out of my memory, and I'm bad with names, so we're gonna go with it though. Those are the people I think are in this film. You know, he's got some some scarring on his face. He's not a great looking guy. He's kind of bitter about the world. But he lives by this and teaches the idea of paying it forward and how important it is to, even if you're not getting anything out of it, you give and you give of yourself and you give of what you can to somebody else so that they may be successful, that they may have a better, easier environment. And in the classroom, he... Very biblical. Yeah. In the classroom, he's very... Wait, wait, wait. 
Did we not get Jesus as an educator on this list? <laughs> we did not. <gasps> what? No one. But we'll segue, I swear. Um, we'll add him as another bonus. But yes, Kevin Spacey, you know, great classroom management. His kids are not always, like, the best. I love the depiction of students in that area. They're a little more lifelike, a little more realistic. Not a lot, but a little. We're not fooling our hands every day sitting at our desk patiently. Yeah, and, and he's not a desk a behind-the-desk teacher, which I also really appreciate. Um, and we haven't talked a ton about, but, like, behind-the-desk teachers are not as popular as you would imagine in regular... I'm not going to say they don't happen, because I would be lying, 100%. There are behind-the-desk teachers. I can just vouch that the two of us are not them, and that there are um, a lot of great educators out there that do not like to have their desks, or don't have desks at all. They just fly by the seat of their pants. I will say, every day that I've tried to be a behind-the-desk teacher, somehow it turns out that my table can also sit 16 other people. Yeah, and little people. There's, like, the, the 10 kids that are just hanging out, but then the rest of my class is at the desk with me, and I'm like, we are in a pandemic. Please, Please. stop invading my space. Please. Yeah. <clears throat> Laura Dern from October Sky. Okay. Again, not, like, super influential for um, my age bracket or probably Alex's. The film was great. Not super memorable to me. Not my favorite. Her teaching abilities. Her exposure to STEM. STEM? This is about rockets, right? I'm not on the wrong wrong page. I don't know. Okay. I always confuse... And again. I always confuse October Sky with The Hunt for Red October. And I'm not entirely sure which one I'm talking about. Whichever one I am. I really appreciate <laughs> that they, you know, introduce their kids or give them the opportunity to, to, like, look at the whole rocket ship thing and, like, blasting off into space and understanding that whole aspect. I think that's cool. I like that. Um, and before we touch on Jesus as a teacher, the last one is Richard Dreyfus in Mr. Holland's Opus. And Mr. Holland's Opus is a film that came out in, like, the 50s, if not earlier, um, as far as my, remind, my brain goes. And Richard Dreyfus is a great actor to begin with, but he was a music teacher, and he was a passionate music teacher, and they he inspires his students to write an opus, and, and it's this big, like, thing um very John Keating E vibes very kind of that energy I think when you Amazon buy Dead Poet Society they suggest immediately Mr. Holland's Opus I 100% um, think you're right so they are parallel they are tied very closely together very similar vibes um I didn't gravitate towards it as I am not a music teacher I didn't gravitate towards it because it's again a little um aged as far as like references for me but I don't know anything about it except that it was filmed in Oregon. That's that's what I have. It came out And I don't even know if it was like a real like thing. And it, I think I guess from what you're seeing, uh, it is not as old as I thought it was, so um props was, for my brain aging it fifty years. I was born that year. Um but it was born was 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 yeah, alright. So fine. So finally, and the reason that Alex is bringing up Jesus and Educators because she wrote a paper on it recently and we had a very in-depth conversation about this. Yes. But it can be said that Jesus actually had some great pedagogy involved in his That's teaching. That's what I'm saying. He really did. So all religion aside, guys, and, and that's not what we're trying to preach here. Looking at him solely as an individual, as a teacher, not necessarily as a religious teacher or anything else, as a teacher to students or followers. My man is engaging people left and right. Left and right, and he's meeting people where they're at. His, he differentiates his, his knowledge base to fit the, the situation. He changes his examples to something that will contextually make sense to the student he is talking to. 
He, there is a lot of times that he asks questions that have no direct answer and he never answers them. And I love that. Yep. There is nothing that grinds my gears as a student more, but also there's nothing that makes me think more than when a teacher asks me an okay, opening question. question, but doesn't give me the answer. Yeah. Yeah. It drives my students nuts. I will ask them a question. Even if it's a, if it's a simple, like there is one correct answer. I will ask them something and then they look at me when they think they can be quiet and they'll just sit there and stare blankly. And I'm like, I already learned this guys. You got to tell me we got to go somewhere. Someone be brave, be wrong, be brave and be wrong. Because I love that. Because generally when our kids, especially dealing with middle school, when you're that age, I don't want to say that groupthink is a thing, but honestly, 1984 called it, and groupthink is a thing, okay? 100%. Especially in this generation, and I love them for it, but they're all consuming the same media over and over again. They're watching the same five shows. They're watching the same 18,000 TikToks. And the same news, they're not consuming real news. They're only consuming what their parents tell them. So they're hearing that if a certain president gets elected, they're going to get kicked out of their house. That's all you have to believe. Yeah. So they have zero context um, for the real world. And, you know, newspapers aren't necessarily a thing anymore. They're always baffled when I bring them out. They're like, what is this? I know. I might as well bring out a phone book. (laughs) I told them, I was like, you guys know phone books exist too, right? And they're like, what? What is a phone book? Um, So, you know, I'll ask them, like, today I was like, all right, so we talked about segregation in schools. Where else would you find segregation? Like, what other public facilities would you see this? And they would stare at me. I'm like, I'm going to stand here until you give me examples. So they start rattling them off. And I love to identify kids when they come up with something that maybe their prior class, like my classes prior to this, did not come up with. So we teach in a school that does block scheduling. They kind of alternate back and forth, um, A days and B days. And so... I teach three lessons on one day and three lessons on the other. So today I had my second set of kids and, you know, it took five classes before I got that there was a housing issue with segregation. Yes, for sure. And these kids and our kids just didn't recognize that. They, you know, they went off the same rattles like car, train cars because we talked about Plessy and they talked about buses because Rosa Parks and they talked about, you know, water fountains and bathrooms and restaurants, which are all great examples not to denote that they are not. Yeah. But then somebody goes, well, wouldn't there be an issue with housing? Like, not necessarily, like, houses themselves, but, like, where in the city you can live. And I was like, absolutely. And getting the loans for the houses. Absolutely. And so the one question that I really couldn't answer today, and I think it was interesting and worth noting, is that she asked me, so even if the, ha- if the places were segregated, were there nice homes for affluent people of color? And I struggled to find a definitive answer for her. And, and this is one of the things I really enjoy about teaching is when my kids ask me a question I don't have a direct answer for. Me because too. it challenges me as an adult to be better. And as you being a student. And, being, and it does. It challenges me to be a student. And, and I told her, I said, I'm going to get back to you. I said, but if I had to speak offhand, I said, and please don't hold me to this, I would say yes and no. Yes, in the North there probably were. Um, some more affluent neighborhoods of in color um, based area, uh, for people of color in, in those regions. Um, I would say that in the South, Probably I not. think nicer homes would become more subjective, right? Yeah. You know, are you living in a, in a, in a row house in New Orleans and, you know, the ninth ward, or are you living, you know, in someplace that might actually have a yard, but it doesn't right. necessarily make it a quote, nice home or on par with an affluent white family for the time period. I think it's also important to note what the time period is. Yes. Yes. So 
we did have to we did have to cover that today and and you know if you guys think that your kids or your students are not thinking these things through ask them ask them an open-ended question about something that may or may not be a little controversial cause some discord in your classrooms guys these kids while they do share a lot of this group think the way that they process that information and the way that they they imagine these things to be is really interesting and i had um, a couple of them bring up and so bad on me again i don't watch anything guys i have a toddler so i watch toy story nonstop. Hmm. but they talked about now or when they see us or now they see us on netflix um it was a mini docuseries uh-huh. based on the central park five um, okay. From the from um, like the late eighties, early nineties, very paralleled from what I've researched to the Scottsboro trials. Okay. Which I know significantly more about than the Central Park <laughs> Five, only because I've taught it repeatedly. Okay. Um, but I had a student ask me if something was similar to this, and they paralleled it to the the the, the series, and I said, uh, "You're gonna have to give me a second. And I had to pull it up on my computer. I had to lean down. I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen this yet. And and right. and. Again, my students know that I have a little a little at home, so you know they process the fact that I am not always up on all the cool things. Right. Um, because, like I said, we watch a lot of Toy Story. <laughs> I'm just not cool, so I just I'm tired. You know, just yeah. tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My spouse is also a history buff, and he loves to watch those documentaries. But y'all. He is a Ken Burns man. <laughs> and I'm not here to disparage Ken Burns by any means. That man is a iconic documentarian, but he also has the most soothing voice on the face of the planet, and I am out within the first ten minutes. I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier, Sam, about, um, uh, I was checking my email, I have to say, which is why I was very quiet, which is the most teacher thing I think that's ever happened. I'm actually recording a podcast with one of my best friends holding my dog, while I'm checking my email, my school email. <laughs> to be fair, the only reason I'm not checking my email is because my computer's the one we're recording from. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I'm afraid to break it. All the little ping, ping, pings you've heard in the background, those are emails coming through. So in case you're curious, teachers don't uh, get a break. Those emails keep on rolling um, all night long. So. Yes. But what I was going to say earlier is a lot of times when I am trying to increase student discourse in my class, I say something that I know they're going to hate. And I... I normally make it about myself, and then at the end I have to, like, backtrack and be like, you know, I don't actually believe that. And they're like, we knew you were lying. Like, oh, sorry, I wasn't convincing. Yeah, I love, um, I love playing devil's advocate. So I will let them say things, and then I will be like, devil's advocate. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well. I'm about to rock your world. I think basically, I was like, well, the phrase comes from the idea that nobody is going to protect the devil, right? Nobody's going to go out and, like, vouch for his good soul. Okay, so. When you say you're being devil's advocate, it means you're stepping in and you're, you're, you know, doing just that. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. And so then I'll say something wild and offhand and they're like, oh, wait. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so my kids actually, starting tomorrow, are going to start debating Supreme Court cases themselves. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to see. There, I'm not, I'm just there to rule as a justice. I don't exist outside of that. They have been given the material they need to be successful and they are going to be randomly divided into two groups and they're going to, um, you know, have a Do it. great time and they're going to try. Um, I've done this successfully a lot with my um, older students. I've never done so with my middle school <clears throat> students, but I'm excited to see where it takes you, where it takes us. I had a phenomenal teacher when I was in high school that we did something like that. We debated um, if Abraham Lincoln was an ethical president. 
wild. Oh my gosh. Mind blown all the time. All the time. And that was one of the first times that I realized that being polite and nice was not going to get me a good grade. Yep. Uh, because being polite and nice does not normally cut it for your debates. Nope. And so to prep them for this, I've had them going around and doing gallery walks, um, saying whether or not they agree with the rulings in these cases. And one of the cases we had to cover was Miranda v. Arizona. And wait, wait, wait. You said gallery walks? Do you have a printer that works? No. I made oh. I made uh, anchor charts by hand. Oh, good. good, um, good. And they're using sticky notes. Great. So it's been really cool. But <laughs> welcome to teacher life. Copy machine is always broken or down or has no paper or no toner. Right. Or the printer doesn't exist at all. So it's, it's wild being a teacher, guys. It's like the wild, wild west some days. But my kids looked at me and they're like, so who really won in the Miranda case? And I said, well, technically Ernesto Miranda won. You know, he won his appeal. He got, you know, what he asked for. And they're like, but he was a guilty criminal. I'm like, 100%. For sure. We're not, we're not debating that at this point in time. But, but he won. And sometimes that's just how it is. Yeah, and absolutely. And I said, unfortunately, it's not always a great outcome. And, you know, they learned that when we talked about, you know, Texas v. Johnson, when the justices didn't want to rule in his favor. But honestly, that's the way the Constitution was written. And yeah. that, my friends, is part of doing that job. Yeah. Just like there's some things I don't want to teach in the way I have to teach them. Absolutely. But I am bound by my contract to do so. So. Other duties as assigned. Yeah, other duties as assigned. Wow, is that list longer than they told us. Yeah, all the time. To wrap this up, Sam, what do you think are the top common misconceptions about teachers? Common misconceptions. I think that we're all responsible for being their at-school parents. Like, I think that's my biggest pet peeve, that, like, when you call a parent, they're like, well, you, this is your job, you're supposed to be taking care of this, you're supposed to be handling this, that, and other, and I'm like, no. <laughs> actually not. That is, that's above my pay grade. Like, I, that's not what I do, actually. That's um, a babysitter. And if you want to pay me like a babysitter, I am pretty expensive. <laughs> I make 15 bucks an hour. Uh, um, no, I make 20 bucks an hour. And I have so many kids. And then we have some remote kids. And then you got kids that brought their friends, so. Oh, yeah. Campers in the classroom. That's something we should talk about at some point someday. I'll add it to the list. You got a camper in your classroom? Tell us about it. I want to hear your funny camper stories. Kids that randomly pop up in your classroom but aren't actually yours, but they just exist for no reason. And they're not a problem. They just are there. They might as well. They might as well be your TA. Yeah, really. I have those. What about yours? I think my biggest misconception is that all teachers are trying their best. I want to always say that they are and this is something that I've recently just had this huge beef with. I want to say that right now, every single teacher out there is giving their one bazillion percent. But then I see teachers like us that are answering emails at 7 o'clock at night. And I see teachers that are bending over backwards. And then I see teachers, or don't go to the parent-teacher conferences. And then I see teachers that... Um, just take what they were given and just put it out there and they have no idea what they're teaching and that's I don't have kids I said it like four times but I don't ever want my kids to be in a class like that and I think that's the biggest misconception yep yeah I I can agree and vouch for that that I really wish that I 
could do the same, that I could say, everybody's doing their best, everybody's trying their hardest, and they're putting in the hours, and they're, um, you know, doing it, and, um, you know, I think that there are successful ways to be contract hour teachers. Oh, um, for sure. And I think that it's not necessarily about the number of hours put in, but the quality of hours put in. Yeah. My dad always said, work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, first year teachers, this is not a bash to you if you are listening. I was working 60 hours a week my first year. I did not know how to have good time management skills. I was all over the place. I was lesson planning until late in the night and doing too much and micromanaging myself in ways that I didn't need to do. Absolutely. And Sam and I started teaching the same year, and it is at the same place, and I have the same exact experience. I 100% remember a janitor coming in my classroom and saying, I I think you need to go home. Yeah. And I was like... I'm going to cry right now on you. And she was like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it does. It does get better to some degree, guys. Don't don't give up, I promise. Um, this is not a podcast about bashing education and how they treat teachers, although that will probably come up at some point. But it is going to be one that is making room for criticism of the education system, criticism of ourselves as educators yeah. and of our peers. You know, you may hear from some of our, we may have guests on where there are other educators that, you know. Our math friends. Yeah, we have math friends. Those are a thing. I, you know, we've got friends that are retired teachers that have been teaching for years. You know, they could have been our teachers when, Absolutely. when we were in school. And it's important to remember that these people, we all are shaped by our experiences and our exposures. And this is an, a platform for us to get better as educators and humans. It's a platform that maybe will help other people have some good information. And it's also hopefully entertaining. We think we're funny. I've been told repeatedly that I should get into stand-up comedy, but I keep telling people that I am only situationally entertaining. So you guys are here to vouch. (laughs) I um, can't wait to share some fun anecdotes with you guys as we go through this journey. And as we sign off, all we can say is, you know, school's in session. School is in session. Please don't make me use my teacher voice. Don't make us do it, guys. See you next time.